Wouldn't it be great if we had a toolbox that would allow us to manage our anxiety better? A way just to calm ourselves down because anxiety has this really unpleasant habit to show up at the most inopportune moments. At work, when we just are about to give a presentation, during the first date, when you are supposed to be strong for your family, the anxiety can just wrestle you to the ground, or at least it tries. So if you had a toolbox, you could go to and pick and choose and say that works in those moments, and this works for level 10 anxiety, this is good for a five, wouldn't that be amazing? Well, my next guest has exactly such a toolbox in her new book, The Anxiety Healer's Guide, Coping Strategies and Mindfulness Techniques to calm the mind and body. I'm talking about Alison Sapanora, and I'm gonna bring her in right now. Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman. If you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity, and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential, and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. Alison, it's such a pleasure to have you on Get Real. And you are actually an expert and just uh, had published your book about a topic that is so dear to my heart, anxiety. But, you know, I wonder always about people that are delving into anxiety, if there is a story, a personal story behind it. Yes. And what is yeah. it? Yes, well, there definitely is one for me. Um, I do talk about it in in my book um, a little bit, but I'll go in a little bit more detail. So I have just kind of started this healing journey of my anxiety, probably only 10 to 15 years ago. I'm 41 now. And um, I didn't realize that I actually had struggled with anxiety most of my life, even as a little kid. Um, but I never really had the language to know how to talk about it or what it was. Um, and you know, there were a lot of choices I made in like my early twenties and my teen years that I sort of numbed my emotions, mm. um, because I was very highly anxious in social situations. Um, I had a lot of health anxiety. So, um, a lot of my anxiety shows up in my stomach physically, and that creates a lot of anxiety for me, um, and other physical sensations. So, um, I, I started recognizing that when I was little, I definitely had a lot of um, worry and fear around people and around social situations, um, a lot of self-judgment about what people were thinking about me um, and kind of just being nervous. I would say the wrong thing and um, just wondering, you know, if I would be accepted in certain social situations. So um, again, just learning that within the last like 10 to 15 years of myself, I still sort of struggle with that socially, not as much now since I have the language to talk about my anxiety. Um, but there was definitely a history in school and in social settings that kind of created this nervousness for me. Um, and also just a generalized anxiety, more about kind of the environments that I was in and the fact that I didn't really know how to talk about my feelings. So now all I do is talk about my feelings. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword sometimes because I don't want to always be so highly reactive or emotional. Um, 
but yeah, it definitely started when I was younger and now I have the language to know kind of where my experiences happened and why they happened. So. And do you feel like there was a moment, you know, when your journey started that it just was apparent to you, something has to change because a lot of people like you and I had certainly decades of anxiety as well. You know, we are coping all right with it. It's like this undercurrent. It's like this annoying refrigerator noise that just is always there. And we don't even notice how much it stresses us out. So what was for you the moment to wake up? It's so funny that you asked this because I just was talking to a friend about this last night um, after my book launch because I was trying to think, you know, when what was that moment in my life? And it was actually on my 30th birthday. Mm. My sister had thrown me a surprise party and she, you know, I don't think anyone will ever do that again for me. <laughs> surprise parties. Cause I ended up showing up and there were a lot of people, again, I struggle socially sometimes. So there were a lot of people there that I actually wasn't really in the best, um, I wasn't really connecting with the people that were there at that time in my life really well. And I didn't really want to see a lot of the people that were there, but my sister had no idea. I wasn't really talking about these things at that point. And I remember showing up after I went, I think I did a yoga class or something. And I was just excited to be with my one friend that came to my two girlfriends that came to visit. And I literally showed up and there was all these people there and I had a panic attack. I literally my sister had cooked all of these meals she had um you know reservations at this winery for all of us to go to she had booked all the stuff and i had a panic attack and what happens with me like i said with my anxiety is my stomach so i was in the bathroom literally for five hours why all my all the people there were enjoying the food and were wondering what's going on with me they at this point i was not expressing myself to anybody in my life like i didn't know what was going on mm. and so i literally spent the entire my one girlfriend that was there she also struggled with anxiety and ibs and she helped me so much and she just understood she's like i'll take care of it i'll tell everybody i'll explain it and I literally slept the entire day and everyone else kind of went out and it, they had to travel a little bit. So everyone else kind of just kind of enjoyed themselves, but still didn't know what was going on. And then I was well enough, I guess, later in the night to just actually go and sit down with them and have dinner a little bit. But that was like the turning point. I was just like, something is wrong and I don't know what this was. And it was really, really scary. So ever since then, I've really just dedicated my life to kind of understanding myself better, my reactions better. But that's what, you know, we could say is the upside of panic attacks. They make us really realize, okay, something got to give. I mean, there is something that we really struggle with and we cannot any longer ignore. So you obviously learned, I mean, you are a psychologist, but you learned a lot on your own personal journey about things that, you know, discover and address the underlying issues, like you said, your past and, but you also discovered tools and, uh, and tricks on how to calm yourself down so that when you are thrown a birthday party, a surprise party, you don't have to hide out in the bathroom. And that's right. what your book is ultimately about, right? Yes. Yes. So I'm so excited that it, it um, is available now. I came out to the public yesterday um, and I, I feel like this has just been brewing in my mind probably for years and years. And it wasn't until um, Simon and Schuster called me that I was like, wow, maybe I can actually write something up for people that I always wanted for myself. 
like a resource guide of concrete tools and cognitive behavioral techniques that I always wanted in just one book where I could go to when I knew I was starting to feel these things in my body and feeling dysregulated. I had, I mean, every, every single strategy and technique I've done myself that's in this book and it's, it's scientifically based. So there's so much evidence that it shows how much um, these exercises help in regulating your nervous system and activating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest part of our um, body. So um, there's so many, there, the, the, the trouble is, is that, you know, anxiety healing is a lifelong journey. So, you know, you might grab this book and be so excited to try some of these tools, but then realize that, okay, that one actually doesn't really work that well for me, Mm. but let's try this one. So it's really a lot of kind of trial and error. And um, the thing I love about this is chapter nine is completely dedicated to creating your own healing toolkit unique to you. So I provide an example of my entire healing toolkit um, with all different um, all different types of tools. So I have a bunch of visualization exercises that work for me, um, uh, a bunch of breathing exercises that I know that work for me. My support system is really important. So I have all the people listed that I feel safe around. That that's part of my toolkit. Um, back a couple of years ago, I was uh, taking medication, and that was part of my toolkit. Um, and I'm not currently on it. I might go back again. Who knows? I think it's wonderful if people are, are, it's a, it's a tool for people, but definitely as long as it's managed appropriately. Um, and so there's so many other different types of tools and categories that I put into my toolkit. Um, even like self-soothing items, like actually tangible items I have that really create, um, more comp for me. So I love, you know, sleeping with a weighted blanket that really helps Mm. me a lot. Um, I use essential oils. I use pure essential oils a lot of times for aromatherapy. I talk a lot about aromatherapy and what are the right products to get as far as essential oil goes and the pure products in there. Um, So a lot of my book is education, but also like concrete tools of what to practice. And it really is about just practicing a lifestyle of health and wellness. It's not just about, you know, feeling like your anxiety is so out of, like you're having a panic attack and you reach for this book and then it'll help you. It's more of, okay, when you're feeling, I I, I actually give a rating scale in the book from like a one to 10 and a one being, you know, the place that you feel the safest and the calmest. And when has that been in your life? And then 10 um, being, you know, when you're so panicked or maybe have to go to the ER or something that you feel so out of control. So I like to rate myself throughout the day. And when you practice these exercises, when you're at sort of like a one to a five, it can actually really help regulate you and keep you from going into that panic state. Mm. It keeps you regulated. So it's going to be a lot harder to come out of that panic state when you get above a five, you know, it just will get a lot harder. So well, yeah. I love it because you talked about it's a it's a wellness kit, and uh, I think a a lot of time uh, when we struggle with anxiety, we tend to identify ourselves with the anxiety and basically say, "Well, we're going to be always dealing with this, and we always struggle with this, and we're going to always be anxious." And and so, in some ways, this the stigma of feeling flawed prevents also a lot of people to even admit that they have anxiety because they don't want to be one of those. And, and I find it's really wonderful to see 
anxiety not as your identity, but as something that's your responsibility. Just like, you know, if you have an issue with your body, you know that there are certain nutritional things, certain exercises help you to stay healthy, lower your blood pressure, you know, lose weight. It's very similar with what we have to do with anxiety. There is nothing wrong with us. And I think that's something we just have to really always emphasize. But tell us one of the things that you really find is unique about your book, one of the tools that you feel like, yeah, that's something I haven't really heard a lot about, but I need to share this. Yes. Okay. So there's two concrete tools that I've used that I love myself that not really everyone knows about yet. Um, it's becoming a little bit more progressive, um, but they're kind of, they're not there yet. When I talk about them with my clients or some people in my community, um, they're like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know that. So one is called EFT tapping. So the emotional freedom technique, I'm not love sure if ever. Yes. Okay. So that's one of my favorite. I talk all about EFT. I explain the tapping points and essentially how I describe it to people is that it's like acupuncture without the needles. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, and you use the, the forefront of your fingers to tap on different meridian points. Um, and again, EFT has been research-based. So, um, you know, it might seem a little like, what am I doing when I start, when you start practicing it, but the meridian points are so connected to different parts of our body and the way that we respond to things um, that it is in, an incredible healing tool for me and for a lot of people that have tried it. So um, I would encourage, you know, if you are interested in learning more about it, if you're listening to this, you know, just Google EFT tapping or go to YouTube and, you know, watch a couple videos and see kind of, and try a different, different videos and see if it works for you. Again, it's not going to be for everybody, but I think that's one um, exercise that I never even heard about up until a couple of years ago. And I started researching it. Um, so I love that. And then the other technique that is so helpful for me too, which I actually can do anywhere. And I remember when I used to get so anxious at work again, in meetings, it would be, I'd be really um, anxious in meetings. Cause I think I'd be, have a lot of pressure. There was a, it was sort of a lot of social situations and meetings at work. Um, and I would use something called progressive muscle relaxation. Mm. No one could really tell I was doing it. So what happens with PMR is you clench your muscles because your muscles get really tense when you're anxious anyway. So you kind of want to tense them yourself. And then when you release, your muscles just automatically release. So it's almost like a release of everything. Mm. Release your muscles. It helps you breathe better. Um, and so to do it appropriately, if you, you know, again, Googled PMR or progressive muscle relaxation, you'll probably see videos of tensing different parts of your body and going through the different parts of your body. But like, I, I kind of knew what I was doing. It was kind of habit for me. So I remember in the meetings, I would tense my hands really tight and my arms really tight and no one could tell what I was doing. And then I'd release them and I would do that maybe three times in a row. And I would just feel so much better in the meetings. I mean, that is just the beauty about the feedback mechanism of the body to the mind, which also really works with breathing. Since when we're yeah. anxious, we often breathe work. fast and shallow. And, and of course, that tenses us up. And when we are just slowing down our breathing, our mind says, oh, everything is fine here. That's, you know, wonderful. So let's just relax. And that's, I don't know, with EFT, if you're using also the happy birthday part of it, where you're humming happy birthday, which again signals to the mind oh happy birthday unless it's a 
surprise party, that's something to look forward to. And then, you know, you're just feeling automatically better. But, you know, a lot of people would say, my body's not the problem. The problem is my mind. It's racing. I have all these negative thoughts. What if? And so do you have any tools about that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm primarily trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and so my book is entirely, not entirely, but a lot of it comes from like a CBT based theory. Um, and so I do recommend in the introduction of my book that this be used with a therapist. If you are seeing a therapist, um, of course you can practice a lot of the exercises on your own, but to kind of get the most out of it and for, for it to be really effective using it with a therapist, maybe a cognitive behavioral therapist, if that's the person, you know, you want to see, um, it can be really, really healing. So I think being able to learn a little bit more about CBT and you will learn about it on your own in this book. I talk a lot about CBT. I talk a lot about how our thoughts really affect our emotions and how we need to really start becoming more consciously aware of the way that we think and um, what what our triggers are and what our thought patterns are related to those triggers. Um, when our thoughts become more intrusive, you know, like what parts of our day, what parts of our life, what people create, right. you know, those intrusive thoughts, like those types of situations. Um, so I think it really just begins with feeling consciously aware of what you're thinking and how you're feeling. And so a lot of the book also goes into giving, helping give you the language of how to talk about emotions, because unfortunately, it's really hard for people to just express themselves um, and, and really state how they're feeling. Um, I think that's generational. I think there's a lot of our parents and our parents' parents and their parents who didn't really know a lot about mental health. It wasn't really talked about. Um, I think there was a, you know, if you think about the great depression, like people are just trying to survive, right? They're not really talking about some things they are just trying to survive every day. So now that, um, you know, we're a little bit more progressive in life and um, we can find the language, we can sort of have the time to find the language of how we're feeling. So I encourage a lot of people to um, really talk about feeling words. So using I statements such as I feel blank and mm. feeling, and, and I give a whole, um, there's a whole page on feeling words, just what feeling words are like sad, happy, mad, scared, worried, excited, right? Like those, like finding the language because what happens and you might have seen this is a lot of times there's a lot of people that get angry very quickly and they can look angry and you know, okay, wow, that person's mad. You see it on their face. You see what's happening to them. But underneath that emotion of anger, there's usually a lot of sadness or hurt or fear. Right. So really trying to find the language of your feelings and emotions is in the book too. And that can really be helpful. And I think it's even with anxiety important to distinguish you know, is it doubt? Is it insecure? Is it worry? Is it, you know, uh, curious? Is it uh, confused? Because when we know more specifically what the feeling is called, we can also address it more easily, I find, because it's so easy to throw it all into this bucket of anxiety. And then it's actually maybe often misunderstood and not addressed. But again, let's say, you know, you are sitting in your meeting and you are really worried about what people may think when you present and 
How do you calm your mind down other than from the physical body? I mean, do you talk to yourself? Do you suggest to have a little mantra, an affirmation? What are your yes. go-to tools there? So, so, you know, part of that CBT work is to kind of really become consciously aware of the way that you think and understand how your thought patterns might be intrusive and irrational, right? And what essentially that means is that a lot of times the way that we think isn't really true but our anxiety makes us believe those things so much. Right. So we have to essentially kind of rewire the way that we think and how we do that is by challenging those thoughts and talking to ourselves differently. So that can include affirmations. It can include some coping statements. I have a whole chapter on affirmations and coping statements in different environments of your life where you feel like there's thoughts that are so intrusive being able to, um, like I know for me and a lot of my clients, I'll write down a lot of my coping statements or I'll put them in my smartphone. Um, when I know I'm going to an environment where I might be triggered and it'll just come up maybe every half hour, like I'll put an alarm on for that coping statement or that affirmation and it'll come up every half hour and it'll sort of train my brain to remember what the truth is in that moment, in the present moment, right? Cause my anxiety is making me believe that there's something mm. happening. You know, like, so in that meeting, oh my God, are they looking at me weird? Um, what if I say the wrong thing? I'm, am I going to be fired? You know, all of the what ifs. Oh my gosh, I'm sure if you're listening, you have a million what ifs. But the truth is in those moments, like in the present moment, that that's not, all of those thoughts aren't, aren't necessarily true, right? They're, they're worried about something that might happen in the future, or they're thinking about something that you did in the past that you're really just like perseverating on. So being able to talk to yourself differently is huge. And mm. a lot of times that is really hard to do without practice. It's a really, it's such a practice. And guess what? I've been doing it for like 10 to 15 years, really doing this with my clients as like a job and a career and on myself. And I still have days when my thoughts feel like they're, they're, they're more, my anxious thoughts are more in control and I have to really practice. And maybe, you know, that day I'm really doing some more meditations. That's another thing. I'm, I love doing guided meditations. Um, so that day I need to do a little bit more me meditations that day. I need to kind of really remind myself of these coping, coping statements a little bit more that day. So yeah. it's a journey. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I really find so interesting about the mind, especially the anxious part of the mind, that it really doesn't care about logic or rational thinking. I mean, it's basically just all about the emotion. And and someone told me once, well, I think my mind is like my horse. He was a Adam Horseman. So am I. So when I'm on a horse, I realize, you know, I can sit on a horse and I have an anxious thought about what if the horse is bucking or what if there is a biker coming and it gets scared. And so I feel anxiety rising. And my horse feels it immediately. Of course, it's like, you know, oh, yeah. you, you've noticed that the horse tenses up. You don't have to say anything. It's just my energy gets transferred. So if I would tell the horse, nothing's going to happen, everything's going to be fine, there is no biker, the horse wouldn't care because the horse is not interested in my words. The horse is interested in my energy, in my emotions. So do you also find it's really important to put some energy into these counter statements, you know, that you really feel them, even if you cannot feel them 100%, but maybe the practice is when you're calm to really associate a strong 
calming, comforting feeling with it so that you can say it not just as words, but really as a package of energy and words. Oh, yes, yes. And that's I'm a holistic practitioner. So I'm huge on energy healing, too. I, I love it. Um, and I think it's it's important to just really remind yourself that in those moments when you're again, the rating scale, maybe you're at like the two to three level, um, practicing some of these exercises and really reminding yourself of these affirmations um, and these coping statements, because this might be a little bit harder to do on your own, but like in my private practice with my clients as a doing cognitive behavioral work, um, you know, I'll give them certain exercises to do with me, you know, as they're in front of the mirror, right? Like mirror work is huge. So standing in front of the mirror and maybe saying some statements to yourself mm -hmm. as you look at yourself mm -hmm. with a lot of compassion that can be a very emotional exercise for people and a really difficult exercise, but it's so empowering. And, yes. and you're looking at yourself and you're essentially telling yourself things that they were trying to make you believe doesn't exist, you know? So there it's a really powerful exercise. And, you know, by, by being able to have this self-compassion for your right to, because a lot of times our anxiety makes us feel like we're damaged or something is wrong with us. And like, who's going to be friends with us or who's going to love us if we have this type of thing, you know, anxiety is part of us. It doesn't define us. So there's so many other parts of us that are amazing, but anxiety tries to bully us to believe that that's not true. And so that's part of the work too that I do with my clients is trying to figure out, let's, let's look at other parts of you. There's so many parts of you that are amazing. Let's like tap into that. And let's think about what some of these things that you, you know, your characteristics and the things that you're interested in and, um, you know, any types of parts of your personality that are amazing because everyone has parts of them that are wonderful, but it's hard to tap into that. And that's part of the energy work too. And when you do, it really changes everything. I just talked to a client today who, you know, in his self-talk, I read to him what he wrote me when he was journaling about his self-talk. I'm a psychopath. I'm a loser. I am a waste of space. I mean, this is what he believed in. And when we talked initially, he said, yeah, well, that's the truth. What can I say? And then we went back to those thoughts once he had really regained compassion and, and love for himself. And it sounded so foreign. And so, you know, it's whatever you may hear right now doesn't tell you the whole story and it doesn't tell you the truth. And having compassion for yourself, like you said, it's such a breakthrough in itself because you open your heart. And I think it's also important that we have, you know, compassion for anxiety because the anxiety is not like, you know, an evil aspect of us, it's ultimately to protect us, right? I mean, it's not here to just cause us harm and, and, and hardship. Right? No, exactly. I and I, I, that's another part of the book that I talk about as far as anxiety, being, um, you know, a good part of our, you know, emotional language. So anxiety is just a really debilitating fear or worry, right? And it's with feeling very out of control. Um, and what people don't realize in 2022 is that, you know, 
back in the day when we there was like cavemen days, right? We had to survive and fend for ourselves. It was really about catching prey, right? Catching prey and like catching food and just really survival. We really had to do that. And so a lot of times when you think of this fear or worry, this, this biological response, right? The fight or flight response, the sympathetic nervous system, um, that is there to protect us because back then we needed to know how to protect ourselves, right? We needed to actually be very hypervigilant. We needed to know what was coming around the corner. Is there a bear there? What's going on, right? We needed to really, now fortunately we've progressed a lot where a lot of us are not just surviving. We can kind of have a life where we feel like we're thriving. Um, but now what do we do with everything else that's so immediate and so fast in our society, in our culture? And we obviously still are scared of things and worried about things, but why are they, why are those emotions so intense all the time? Right. So being able to remember that anxiety actually does protect you from real danger. And, and the unfortunate thing is with anxiety, a lot of situations make you feel like you're really in danger, but the truth is you're really not, you're really safe. And so that's a lot of the cognitive behavioral work and mm. shifting your thought patterns can help with that, right? Like, is this a really, really dangerous situation? Like, am I gonna die right now? Or am I just really, really scared of something that's going on in my surroundings? So. It's a very important point, I agree. And I think it's also important to ask ourselves if the fears that we entertain have something to do with our value system, which often is not about surviving. It's really about fitting in, not being rejected, not getting, you know, any kind of criticism. So those things that all of a sudden make us feel like life or death need to be also looked at is it really that important to please everyone is it really that important to only get positive comments on social media and and that is something that you know especially the the more we are connected and exposed the more of the anxiety of being found out or being seen in a negative way has been coming up and and so i think anxiety can also remind you of and you have beautiful grounding tools in your uh, in your toolkit uh, to really notice there are things that are in the ethers out there and, you know, that are not really about here and now and just bringing ourselves back into the present moment is, is one of the keys I find uh, about anxiety. Oh, I agree. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard for people, maybe some people listening, because if you've been working on your mental health or you've been learning about anxiety or depression, or um, I'm sure you've heard someone say, you know, stay in the present moment, you know, practice mindfulness. But sometimes you get so frustrated. I just remember even my in beginning my journey, I'm just like, what does that mean? I don't know what you're okay, present moment, I'm here, I'm trying and you almost get more frustrated because you're just like, how am I supposed to present moment? I'm doing it. But then your thoughts are racing. And people are saying meditate. And I remember starting to meditate you know, when I would go, I would just be in a room that and without noise. And I'm thinking to myself, what am I supposed to do here? I'm thinking my brain is so loud right now. And I'm supposed to be sitting here meditate. This is ridiculous. This is never going to work. Um, and essentially, I found the guided meditation. I love the I love the app insight timer. And now all of the meditations I do are guided because that's what works. Mm. For me. 
And that is what I've heard from a lot of my clients and a lot of people that's starting very um, slowly, like with maybe a very short two minute type of meditation that's guided can be so much more effective because it's really kind of the person talking is almost helping retrain your brain as you're listening. Totally. Absolutely. I agree. I usually fell asleep when I started meditating because I was either so exhausted from just my thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, that is something that is so beautiful that all we need to do is just allow ourselves to follow the voice because that can also be a struggle at the beginning to say, okay, now let's not listen to my little anxious voice. Let's listen to some other voice. So leaning out and trusting and and having someone guide you somewhere and just following, that's that's a big step for sure. Oh. But when it happens, it's, uh, it's definitely very beneficial. Now you wrote something about mind tricks. What are what are mind tricks? <laughs> okay, so this these can actually be helpful when you are getting to that panic state. Because mm. when you're like an above a five, you're getting above a five on that rating scale, you're not thinking rationally at all anymore. So you are, your brain is already like in this fight or flight state. Um, your brain is probably ruminating about things that are very scary for you, wherever you are, you know, um, there might just, I, I just know that a, a common theme for a lot of my clients is like, they feel not safe wherever mm. they are, whatever panic is happening, they don't feel safe. So they're right. just really scared. And so at that point, that's when you really need to do something to regulate your nervous system because that's when the physical symptoms are going to happen. So when you're in that panic state, a lot of the physical symptoms, that's it. Like the shortness of breath, um, dizziness, nausea, headaches, racing heart, sweating, all of the physical symptoms are very common when that starts to happen. So a lot of the mind tricks that I provide is to essentially redirect your brain from the fear to something else. So again, this isn't like a long-term solution, but distracting yourself in those moments can be really helpful to help regulate your nervous system. So Give us an example. Okay. So it might look like one that I write about, which I love is like cold hydrotherapy. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but um, basically, sure. um, you know, either filling a bowl with ice cubes and putting your face in the bowl for like five seconds at a time. Um, putting some ice cubes on the back of your neck or on the inside of your wrists very quickly can help stimulate the vagus nerve, which is, I talk about that too, I won't go too much into the vagus nerve, but it's the communication highway between your brain um, and the nervous system. So the ice and the cold can activate the parasympathetic nervous system pretty quickly too and can just bring you back into that moment. So when we talk about the present moment, when you're experiencing panic attacks or those physical symptoms, a lot of people feel like they're not inside their body anymore. They feel like things around them really aren't real. So some that's called depersonalization or derealization. They can feel like really just things are just blurry and that's really scary as well. And the ice can really help bring them back. That, that using your senses is so important in those moments. So that sense of touch and, um, you know, a lot of times being able to feel the cold, you know, that can just kind of shock you back into where you are and make you recognize, okay, wait a second. Like I'm here, I'm, I'm okay. And, and then also, making sure that you're able to kind of 
use some breathing techniques. It's going to be maybe a little bit harder for you to come out of it, but there's a number of breathing techniques that are very useful in those moments um, that can just really, it's all about slowing your breath, not really making it deeper. It's more about slowing it, especially on the exhale. Mm. So those are a couple things. Well, and you also talk about aromatherapy, I think, which I think is in the similar realm of just bringing you back into a calming state, lavender essential oil or something like that. And I think it's really helpful to just do like those things uh, that are really calming when you already feel calm. It's like the association, you know, in that moment, then, oh, my mind remembers this is a calming smell and smell is so powerful, I find. It's it's kind of funny because one of the most calming smells for me is the smell of cigar smoke because it reminds me of my grandfather who was such a calm and kind person. So I only have to think about that and then I'm feeling already much calmer, although he could be strict, but there is just something about that memory. So this is a really fun thing to know that smell can bring your mind also into just a much more relaxed state and can remind you all as well. Oh yeah. The, I mean, the five senses grounding technique too, which I talk yes. about a couple times in the book is essentially that, right? You're using your five senses to, to feel grounded where you are. So yes. you're looking around you and describing what you see, you know, what the color, what are the colors you see? What are the shapes that you see? Um, what do you smell? What are some things that you smell? Can you taste anything? Where are you sitting? Can you feel what your clothes feel like? Describe that in detail um, and what you can touch and all of that. So being able to use your senses when you're feeling highly anxious or panicked, that is a very, very effective tool. And that's there's a lot of research on that too that's shown that the five senses grounding technique is is one of the most effective tools in bringing you back to the present moment and making you feel like safer that in that moment you are safe and you don't feel like outside your body anymore, right? You're yeah. kind of home to yourself. So, I mean, one of the things that about your book is so beautiful that it gives a lot of different ways for us to learn to work with our brain and our minds. And that I think in the end, it really depends also on how you use it. I can imagine if you're using it just as, okay, how can I combat myself? or fix myself or, you know, somehow cope with myself, it may be not the same as if you're using it as, oh, wow, I'm having a new owner's manual. I'm actually learning to be, you know, the driver of my mind and drive much more smoothly and effectively and this way gain trust in yourself. I can imagine it really is a, is a quite a different experience. Yes, yes. Well, and that's, that's what I, I love about the book is because it doesn't just say do this and then it'll be fixed do right. this and then it'll be fixed no that's not how it works because anxiety looks different for everybody um but it really includes the cognitive piece of our anxiety how to work on the cognitive piece and what we can do to kind of retrain and rewire our brain our anxious brain and then it works on the physiology piece and what evidence has been shown in different exercises to help stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system and really help balance out your the physical piece of this too. So that's all part of creating the toolkit. 
And there's also a chapter that is is way more educational, but I, I needed it to be in there because I think there's so much that I didn't know and a lot of people didn't know about the healthcare field, um, at least in the United States. But I can I know now with my Instagram page, it definitely translates around different countries as far as being just not being so knowledgeable about the different types of doctors there are out there whether it's a holistic practitioner or an integrative doctor or a difference between a therapist or a psychologist or a social worker or a psychiatrist. And there's just so many, you know, letters behind people's names, but you don't really know what they do. But like, so how do you really advocate for yourself? Mm. So I have chapter eight is all dedicated to self-advocacy and what kinds of questions to ask your doctor, um, to, what kind of questions to ask a therapist to kind of talk to them before you choose them because we're choosing them, right? Like we're choosing them as a doctor. We know that so many people are overworked in the healthcare field, but we want to make sure we're getting the best treatment for us and that they're really hearing us and they're not just treating a symptom. And they're saying, here, take this, bye, see you later. So being able to really advocate for yourself is going to be so important in this whole process when you're looking for support. Mm, that's beautiful. I really find that important, especially since sometimes going to ask for help is such a big step. And then you feel at times more disempowered by what you get than really, you know, encouraged to to be the one that's not only advocating for yourself, but also healing yourself, because that's really what it in the end is about. Now, how do people find you? And obviously they can work with you as well. So I am still very active in my private practice. I do have a little bit of a waiting list, but I am um, virtual only now in Pennsylvania. So anyone in Pennsylvania can actually um, can actually contact me to get some private practice healing services. Um, and also I'm on Instagram as the anxiety healer and on TikTok as the anxiety healer. And um, my website is alisonsepinara.com, which is my private practice information, my book information. You can buy my book on Amazon, but also through all different types of bookstores, Barnes and Noble. Um, and I also have an online healing curriculum that um, I have about five different online courses that you can take that are self-paced and mm. you can go to the, the anxietyhealingschool.com. Um, there's a couple different courses on how to rewire the way that you think um, and heal your anxious thoughts and what you can do to heal panic attacks. So um, that can be really helpful for some people that are looking just for some extra support. But uh, my Instagram community is kind of like my baby. So the anxiety healer on Instagram is really kind of where all this started and and where I really just, I talk to, I answer every DM. So I really like to be involved in the community. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being today, the voice on Get Real and uh, people can watch it on YouTube and there will be also on Instagram a clip about it and yeah, it was really a pleasure to meet you. And yes, get the Thank book. you. Bye, Anxiety Healer's Guide. I think you'll love it. There, It's available in all stores and linked in my bio too. And I appreciate you so much for taking the time today. Thank you.